And here we go. So, um, Andrew, welcome to the call. Can you? Thanks, David. Great to be here as always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today uh, we wanted to talk about this idea of attracting ideal clients. And um, I think, you know, this notion, this word attraction, uh, it's always been uh, one of those alluring words for a lot of people, which is, uh, you know, we go out chasing business, right? And uh, there's a sort of a dilemma between when do I chase and how do I become attractive and how do I get those people to come to me? And one of my favorite philosophies is this idea of the prize never chases, right? So how do we become the prize? How do we attract ideal clients? What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think there's three, three steps to do it. The first of all, you need to build the foundations, which means you have to get really clear on one target market or ideal client, because you know he who chases many rabbits catches none. So you, you've got to be really clear about one ideal client. Mm. Um, the second thing is then you need to ensure that you get crystal clear on all the problems that they have. What are the things that keep them up at night? It's marketing 101, right? But I don't see a, a lot of a lot of professional services firms. They tend to try and cover four, four five, six different types of target markets. So of course, you're not going to attract anyone. Right. Um, the third piece is then... To me, it's then it's then about actually ready, readying your uh, your profile and your your website and it, where, every everywhere where the ideal client will go to validate that you are the right person for them. Because if you've done all the lab work and you understand their challenges and you really articulate who you serve, then that's going to be reflected in all the messaging and all the information that you carry out. So I think, to me, if you do that, you give yourself a much better chance of attracting the ideal types of clients. I mean, what do you reckon, David? Yeah, look, um, for me, like when you say that, the first thing that occurs to me is to attract the ideal client, step number one is to know who the ideal client is. Now, we always yes. talk about uh, niche and the importance of niche, but uh, I think it's still very difficult for people to understand and define, not, not the geographics or the demographics, but the psychographics. And so when we talk about niche, one of the key phrases I've learned in marketing is, you need to be able to enter the conversation that's already taking place in your prospect's mind. Now, that feels like a, a bit of you know Nostradamus and mind reading, but the truth of the matter is, you and I both know that a prospect um, that we're clear on the niche that we're working with has a problem that we solve. And we might have the solution to the problem, but if they're not aware of the problem, or if they can't connect the dots between who we are and what we, what we do, um, there's no engagement. So this idea of attracting ideal clients is really getting into the conversation that's already happening in their own mind. And I think the more research you do into your perfect client, and often you do it by looking at your current client base, this is what we do, and we say, well, let's have a look at what triggered the purchase response, okay? Because when we talk about buyer motive or you know the, 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 the inspiration that a buyer has to, to buying signals, um, something triggers the purchase. And for me to attract an ideal client, we need to get into their head, number one. Number two is that we then need to be entering that conversation that's already occurring and intercept. So this is not marketing and not sales. This is not about, hey, you should buy my product or, hey, here's a list of the things we do. It's about, well, hey, Andrew, I know that you're thinking this right now. And, you know, a classic case in point right now, the share market's going through a bit of a tumble, right? And the, there's a big correction going on with the economy. And... 
everyone's talking about this new drama and if it's not that it's going to be the electricity shortage and the gas shortage that we're about to go through now the media loves playing this stuff right and what they do is they make airplay and all of a sudden COVID's become a historical item. We don't see that little red uh, spiky ball on the TV anymore. Now we just see, uh, you know, Loyang Power Station and all these sorts of things. So for me, it's how do you enter that conversation that's already going on in people's minds? How do you intercept their thought process and then become attractive to where they think they need to go? How do you help people do that? What's your thoughts on this? I'll, ta- I'll tell you a story about today, as recently as today. So... Uh, my target market is, is is a sort of small to mid-sized consulting firm, you know, in finance or yep. in HR, something like that. Hmm. And uh, anyway, so I um, I reached out to a, an ideal a prospect, and he replied back, and we booked we booked a meeting. And in the meeting, I, I always ask, "Was so why me? Why now? Why why did we? Why are we talking?" Yep. And the interesting thing that that he said to me was, "Well." I don't. I get lots of these uh, re- requests for meeting or cold calls or cold messages. And the, the interesting thing about you is the fact that you talk about in your message the area that I'm struggling with, which is getting consistent growth and predictable growth. Mm. Um, and that's not by accident because I've spent the last at least six months trying to understand what are the top three, four, five, six main problems and then honing in and making a bet around what I think the main problem is. And... Yep. Today, it proved the hypothesis because that's what these sorts of clients want. So I think, but again, if I said something more general, like, oh, we help, uh, you know, we help small to mid-sized companies, you know, grow, yes. he he wouldn't be excited because it's it's too general. But I was very clear about where we, where, as you say, like I was entering the conversation when thinking that they've got to a certain size maybe they this they're, they're slowing their growth but they need some external support or they need something some tactic or some proven system to start building that pipeline so to me it's about as you say david do that research make a bet and then test out the message and see if you if it if it sticks then you're on to winner if it doesn't then you need to tweak the message yeah. and and here's the other part of this conversation is it's different for different people right so um the, the, whole, the whole challenge of marketing is to try and enter that conversation. And, and like you said, you make a bet. Um, the more you communicate with people and the more you're addressing the issues that they're thinking about already, the more the rapport is being built. And uh, it's, it's a matter of um, pacing and then leading, right? There's a few NLP sort of terms that come to mind when we talk about this. And um, one of them is this whole idea of matching and mirroring. You know, when we, when we teach sales process, we talk about how you match and mirror your prospect. Now, the problem with that is that uh, if you're matching and mirroring someone who's negative, you're just going to be negative, right? <laughs> so we call it leading and pacing because you start by meeting people where they're at and then you bring them on the journey with you. So in the context of attracting your ideal client, the first thing to do is to understand exactly what's biting in their mind at the moment, the ideal client, uh, have that conversation or enter the conversation that's already occurring and then lead from there into the conversation with you. And I think that this is an ongoing process because as the events roll out in the economy, um, if you keep focus on your avatar, on your ideal client, you, you can already anticipate from the conversations you're having with current clients, uh, you know, what's on their mind, what's bugging them. And uh, the, the, the idea of asking what is on your mind and what's bugging you right now and they tell you and you go, ha ha. Mm. So now I know the conversation that's in their mind, I can go to my prospect list and reflect that back straight away. And it's funny, right? Because 
Every time we have this turn in the economy, because it happens all the time, you know, we had the the financial crisis in 2008, and now we're about to go through another one, and it's all doom and gloom. But I saw a reminder yesterday that said, you know, the interest rate goes up by 1%. So it goes from 0.25 to 1.25. We were paying 7 and 8% two years ago, so it's nowhere near that. And so the crisis of the increase in interest is really just a lot, a lot of perspective. And so a good business owner, a smart business owner, they say, okay, uh, people are going to be thinking a certain way as a result of the news or a result of the media. Um, how do we anticipate and how do we then engage in that conversation uh, and bring that as an opportunity rather than just the drama that it sort of goes out to the, to the media as? Can I, can I ask, David, uh, in particular, one of your something that you do for your clients and for people that you work with is is run live speaker live stream events yeah and uh, i noticed that in a sense that's a lead generation tool for the people that you're working with and you've had tremendous success over a, a you know long period of time yeah. so if we almost put out if we go into the minds of of the people that are watching here today, you're a professional services firm, you're looking to attract your ideal client. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're considering a tactic like a, a webinar or you know, putting content out there. What's been what's been something that's you've seen as the success? How do you how do you use that as a way to attract? Because that's when the conversation starts, you can enter in at their level. So, so you're right. Look, uh, we, we started doing these live events probably seven years ago now. And they used, they used to be breakfasts pre-COVID, right? And then we rolled into yeah. the online event. But uh, the, the, the reason that we do them is twofold, right? The, the first one is um, it's, it's timely, right? So when we have this conversation today, we can talk about what was on the news last night, okay? So it's timely to what's going on in people's minds. And so we can talk about trends in the market. We can talk about what we believe is going to happen as a result of those things. Um, the second thing is it's not a pitch, right? Because this is what I've learned. People are getting so sensitive to pitching that mm. as soon as anything sounds like it's a sale, as soon as I say, hey, so today's deal or today's offer is, um, that only works when people are in the market. So when they're problem aware and they're solution aware and they're ready to go. So when we're doing our lead gen, what we're doing is we're just adding value to the community. And, and it's, it's sort of, it's a nice thing to do from two points of view. Number one, it's giving back. So really saying, how can we help people even without having to engage in a commercial arrangement? Um, and so the nice thing about that is it gives you a altruistic sort of spin to the business, which is, you know, being, being useful. Um, the second part of it is that anyone who's ready to buy or anyone who's looking to build a relationship, there's a lot of rapport building that occurs when you provide value. So that's really what started that, that process. Okay. Now, professional mm -hmm. services, businesses specifically, okay, because it is a lot about rapport building and relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not like people Google, I need a professional service and I'll buy the first one I see. Now, that's not 100% <laughs> true because there are some people that are in that I'm buying right now category. Okay, but uh, attracting an ideal client means uh, building a, a raft of knowledge and information out in the marketplace so people can start to invest time getting to know you. And so that in their minds, you're the right person because they've seen what you offer, they've seen what you do, there's transparency about who you are, so it's authentic. And the live event um, process for us has really proved to be a great platform to get people to get to know us. Uh, rather than yeah. sort of waiting until the day they're ready to buy. So they get to hear what we've got to say, especially with the partners. And a bit like yourself, Andrew, we, um, 
We like to meet people who are in our target market. We like to get to know them without being pitchy, um, unless they are ready to go, in which case they ask. Okay. So until that point in yes. time, it's just all about providing valuable information. Hmm. I love it. And I think that ties into a report that I was reading recently, David, it was a, uh, it was a, it's called bench press. It was a, they, they do a report, uh, they interviewed a whole bunch of UK consulting firms, yeah. I think about a thousand firms. And they, one of the questions they asked was how do you, what's the most effective way to generate new business? And yeah. the stats were interesting that the top three areas where, where professional services firms tried the first, uh, was, um, was LinkedIn. So they felt like that was a way to develop B2B relationships. The yeah. second, so that was 80% of people tried LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. The second was uh, content marketing. So written content yes. and content that goes out there to, to generate interest. And the third was email marketing, right. which was 69%. So people, so in other words, there's a real sense that this is what we need to do where the people have told them to do it. Yeah. But then you look at what actually works and you know, referrals were by far the, the best source of, of leads to yeah. attract the ideal client. And emails and, and content and LinkedIn were sort of five, six, seven percent. So obviously that didn't work. So it's, I feel like there's a uh, there's good intentions out there, but in terms of actually what's working for a professional services firm nowadays, it, mm. there probably needs to be a few different ways to generate, uh, you know, to generate good clients, Yes, not just yeah. one. Yes, and, and, and I think what you're touching on is this idea of a multi-channel marketing strategy. And so to me, to yeah. me, it always still comes down to this idea of having three phases in your funnel. You know, top of funnel, which is new people that uh, we get to know, middle of funnel, which is the nurture, and the bottom of funnel, which is the conversion part. And um, mm. when we talk about uh, referrals, you know, everyone loves a referral. And here's the funny thing, statistically, oh, yeah. uh, majority of people, if you ask them where most of their business comes from, most people say 64% of our business comes from word of mouth or referral. But then when you ask the last question, which is interesting, which is, well, what do you, how do you systemize your referral side of your business? Very few people have a systematic referral strategy, right? Mm. So um, what happens is uh, we, we think about it and we go, okay, um, we've got to get people in the top of funnel. We've got to meet them. Now I can meet them directly and hey, we've got a question. What about outbound marketing? Hey. Can you say that in the chat? <laughs> I can't. I can't. But you let, let me know what was the question, David. Uh, let me see if I can do something really cool here. Can you see that? Here we go. Shamal asked the question, what about outbound marketing? Now, outbound marketing to me is brilliant, okay? But it's expensive as well, right? Because it requires either telemarketing, it requires time, it requires um, some sort of cold calling. And the issue with that is um, when you outbound market, you're usually interrupting someone's day, okay? So you're, say, you're saying, I'm gonna call this guy and I'm gonna ask him if he needs our service. And he may be in the market, he may not be in the market. So the idea is, well, we're starting from cold. Now we might be lucky because 3% of people happen to be buying today. So if I ring them, they're gonna go, glad you called because that's exactly what we're looking for. The other 97% need to be managed through a process. Now, some of those are gonna say, go away, another, another person trying to intrude on my day. Um, but some of them are gonna say, not right now. Um, so then but the, the segment between top of funnel, getting them in, and middle of funnel, educating them, um, is where we need to be pretty clear. But when you talk about referral, um, it's the same issue, right? I, I can ask you, Andrew, today, for example, do you know anyone who needs my service? 
Now, the standard response to that question is, I can't think of anyone right now, but as soon as someone asks, <laughs> I will send them to you. Um, and yeah. what that means is that the offer is too direct. And it just means I'm asking yes. you to make the assessment in your mind, does anyone need David's service? Now, if I said, Andrew, rather than giving me the names of people who need my service, how about we run an event together? And in that event, we're going to talk about how to attract your ideal client. Okay. Um, then what happens is something very different. Right? You say, oh, geez, I've got a few clients that would actually love to learn how to attract their ideal client. So they're not buying my service, but they might be interested in a solution to that problem. So it's sort of, it's an interesting philosophy, but for me, when we talk about multi-channel, I think you need to have new leads coming in every single day, because to me, fresh blood is the lifeblood of business. Now they can come from yes. referral if you have some sort of offering that is not direct. They can come direct if there is someone who needs my service that you know. Um, but that just determines whether they're coming in top of funnel, middle of funnel, or bottom. So when we start talking about in how to systemize referrals in business, well, the question then is we can ask for them from our existing clients. We can manufacture lead magnets like events or you know downloads or whatever they might be to get people to recommend us based on this widget. Or we can go and find partners who we can work with together and introduce each other to our databases, um, which is one of the reasons we run these events and the reason they've been so successful. Because it's sort of a win-win scenario or a win-win-win, right? Because Andrew gets to invite his clients, I get to invite my clients, and they both benefit from our knowledge, number one. And number two, if there's anyone in there that's ready, they can now make a decision whether they want to engage or not. So that... That that would that's also a form of outbound marketing, Dave, right? Because you, yes. what you're doing is you're actually you've got something that you're not directly saying, "Hey, do you want my service?" Because as you say, you've got to bring a hundred people to get three yeses. Yeah. But you're saying, "Hey, um, I've got something that might be of interest to you. Uh, would you like to come along?" And so what we're saying there, we're we're top of funnel, mm -hmm. and we're looking to qualify to see if they want to, if they're going to move into middle of funnel, which yes. I think is a really smart way to do it. And yeah. Going back to, um, I think it was, uh, uh, was it Sh Sh uh, Shamal? The, yeah. yeah, Shamal. So in terms of when you when you ask about outbound marketing, I think there's different ways of doing that. Certainly one is the phone. One is what we're talking about here, which is online, which you can be really targeted with. You know, if you have a list of target companies that, or an industry, or as we talked about, if you have a real sense of your ideal target market, what their role is, what kind of firm they work for, yeah. et cetera. Um, then you can then develop some messaging uh, once you understand well what are they what are they uh, what are their challenges mm -hmm. and how does it relate to your product and that that become, can become part of your outbound marketing. Yeah. Um, but I think what we're saying here is it's it's all about a numbers game. If you want new new leads, you have to do it every single day, whatever method or whether whatever. Um, channels you choose mm -hmm. it can't be sporadic and i'm talking from experience yeah. doing something for two three months and then yeah. stopping is is as bad as as effective as doing nothing and all you've got to do it every single day mm. for at least six months you know 12 months and then you've got some data and you can continue to evolve and test what you're doing so um you kind of need both right you need you need yeah. you did you do need some outbound you need to go out there and, and, and introduce new people yes um but you also need to nurture you need to nurture the people that aren't ready which is the majority of people who won't be ready to buy there's a phenomenon and it's not new which is this whole idea of sell by chat and anyone who's on linkedin has seen it you know they get they get these in mails from people they've never met before saying hey i've seen your profile or i've been in the similar group to you and we should get together 
And people start mm-hmm. these conversations. And one of the things that occurs is that the salesperson gets too salesy too quickly. And yeah. the danger yeah. is that they go, hey, we should connect. And they go, next thing they go is, hey, by the way, here's all my products and services. Let me know if you want to chat. And yeah. it's like, whoa. <laughs> You know, and um, yeah, it always reminds me. I was watching this fascinating documentary, and it was about um, professional um, soccer players. And by the way, did you see that uh, how how Australia got into the uh, soccer the, the other day on Tuesday? It was amazing, <laughs> just saving that goal. Yep. But um, the, the, they're interviewing one of these professional uh, soccer players, and they said to him, you know, so as a professional soccer player, how do you get this strategic advantage when you're playing? He said. One of the things I had to learn to do was to run backwards as fast as the opponents are running forwards. And he said, mm. when I'm running backwards as they're running towards me, their movement slowed down. Right? Mm. And so it was like meeting them at their pace. And I think sometimes when we're marketing and when we're trying to communicate, and especially with outbound, um, most people are on the defensive for anything that sounds like you're trying to take money out of my bank account. Yeah. So yeah. how do I match the pace that they're going and this goes back to our first comment which is entering the conversation that's already taking place in their minds mm. so not trying to mm. sell the products unless they need it right mm-hmm. if someone sticks their hand up and says hey i need help that's different mm-hmm. that's high buyer intent but when i'm outbound yeah. i don't really know so i can actually say hey do you need help and i'll get less yeses but then i'm not wasting time or i can say hey this is the conversation that's going on in your mind right now we've got some advice for you and we start mm. that conversation mm. so meeting people where they're at is about marketing in an effective way to breed communication and trust. Because when we talk about referral-based business, um, for me, the first three phases of any referral is know, like, and trust. Shamal has another question. Here we go, the two salesy question. I love, love it, Shamal. That's what we want. What about using sales navigator and combining it with our outbound calls? Is it too salesy? Um, that's a really good question. It can be. I want you to do this, right? Go through your own inbox in LinkedIn and have a look at the amount of messaging that occurs and start thinking about how you are feeling when you read those messages. Because there's a thing called a nine word email and it's quite an interesting phenomenon. You know all about this, Andrew. And when emails are too long and I don't know who you are, it feels like you know I'm just being pressured into reading this thing and making a decision. When an email is short and ask a good question, and I'll give you an example. I can, I can have a cut and paste email that says, hey, read your profile on LinkedIn, looks like you really know what you're doing, we should connect. And when you get the first one, you might fall for it, but after about six of them in a row, you start to realize that people are using the same message. The one that says, hey, David, I noticed in your profile, you used to work at Channel 7. I have an uncle that worked at Channel 7 around that same time, you might know him, is very specific. Right. Mm. So meeting the conversation that's in my mind is about saying, well, did you really look at my profile or did you just give me a generic, you know, a shotgun Mm. email? So I think that uh, there's a combination of questions to answer here, Shamal. And probably the easy one is um, I think Sales Navigator and LinkedIn are one of the best tools on the planet because you can see everyone's profile and who they're connected to before you even talk to them. But it's getting abused, right, by a lot of people who are going straight into high pressure sales or trying to close deals. Um, without really asking questions or building rapport. So to, to be too salesy means, um, in my mind, someone's trying to get me to do something that I don't want to do. That's pressure. But if someone's starting a conversation with me and I'm willing to respond to it, and that's why these nine-word emails are quite effective, I might enter into a conversation that leads down a path. And that's meeting people where they're at and then taking them and leading them through the next part of the sales mm-hmm. process. 
So it's a good question. It's a tough question to answer mm. because uh, the, it's different for different leads, right? Different buyer intent and different ways we can help mm. them. Yeah, and just to add to that, David, I think in, in my experience after doing this solidly for a oh, good four months now, you know, every single day using Sales Navigator and um, yep. combining it with calls off the back of that, mm. uh, what I've learned is that you, there's almost like a, a matrix when you start. You know, the first, if you want to be technical, the, the, the first message is really around 80% them, yep. you know, 20% you. It's usually the other way. It's usually, as you said, hey, um, thanks for connecting oh, look, you know, I've got all these products, do you want to buy? Yep. That's what 95% of people are doing. So if you want mm. to stand out, um, consider asking them and getting them to talk about them in a non-threatening way, but simply, yeah. look, I'd love to know more about what you do and who you help, for example. Yep. Um, for reference, look, this is what we do. And uh, what I've also started doing is doing an audio recording. So yes. you can do it on LinkedIn and the app. Right. And you just basically talk about your message and, and it sends it as a voice message. Mm. And the, the, the dynamic there is actually live. It's, it's a, it's a um, human message. It's not, a, it's not an automating you know, tool. Yeah. It's you on the, trying to build rapport by actually responding directly. Yeah. So I think, as, as we were saying earlier, like get, yeah, get, into the comp get into thinking about what they would expect and almost address the element in the room. Yeah. You probably get a lot of connections. So I really appreciate you connecting. Yeah. You know, would love to know more about what you do. And then, you know, down the track, are, are you going to add some value? And then for sure, if you think they're the right fit, feel free to say, look, you know, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Would, you know, if you've done that work, you know the, the main problems in, maybe you state that. Look, you know, we, our product helps um, these sorts of companies do this. Yeah. Look, is that of interest? They can say yes or no, but. Um, you know, you don't want to leave it and just and not know if, if you you know they're an ideal fit. So mm. combine, yeah, for sure. If there's interest, you know, jump on the call and say, look, hey, you know, we're going to respond on LinkedIn. But um, I guess be yeah, be aware that you can be the you can be that five percent that do things differently and actually try and build a genuine relationship with people. And, and I think you know it is interesting because uh, we were talking about lazy sales this morning in our sales meeting here. And the lazy salesperson does the broadcast. They do the throw the burly in the water and see who see who jumps. And I think a lot of the spammy yeah. emails that go out, they tend to go down this track, you know, where they just they all sound the same. And the scary part is, even though the salesperson doesn't see it, if you look in your inbox, you'll notice there's a lot of replication in the types of messages that are being sent. Um, the smart salesperson does the research and looks at the profile of that target and says, "Is this person really in my target market?" Because if they are, and if I knew they were, and if I knew that they were going to be like a $100,000 client, because I know that's how much they spend with my competitor, I think my amount of research that I do and the sensitivity to the conversation would be much, much greater than a shotgun approach. And mm -hmm. the, the distinction is for me, you know, when we talk about being too salesy, uh, you can usually tell whether your communication is working by the response that you get or don't get. So it doesn't matter yep. how sexy you think your message is, if people are not responding to your message, then you're not landing it. And so it's about being sensitive to the mechanisms or the, the responses that you're getting to those messages. And that's why sometimes trying different things. Like even these live, live, live streams that we're doing, Andrew, the whole idea here is we don't really have a clear agenda here other than to add value and to com communicate about what's going on right now. And the idea yes. of attracting the ideal client is a bit elusive to a lot of people. Um, but it's the sort of thing that I'd love to do is to say, I want those ideal clients calling me, not me having to call them. Now, outbound, 
still is valid to initiate the conversation and to get those people into your world, okay? But once they're there, you need to then attract them to you by educating them on the value of what you do and what makes you stand out from the competitors and those sorts of things as well. Mm -hmm. Totally. So it's a great topic. Uh, I love this idea. You know, we, we used to run a, one of the workshops when we first started doing these kind of events was how to build a referral-based business. And I think, you know, everyone loves the idea of having a referral-based business, but there's no magic secret message that you use to get referrals. The idea is to make your business attractive, right? So how do you attract an ideal client? Uh, many, many years ago, I remember a friend of mine, was talk we were talking about dating. And he was single and he said, you know, I just can't find the right girl. And I said, do me a favor, right? And this is me being coach, right? Um, I want you to identify exactly all the traits of the perfect girl that you're looking for, right? The ideal client. And he wrote all these things down and he came back to me as here's the list. And as you can imagine, you know, she was six foot two, blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay, so now that you've got the picture of the perfect person, my question to you is... If she was walking past you down the street, would she be attracted to you as you are right now? Okay, and so this is the interesting question. It's not about how do I attract the ideal client, it's how do I become attractive for the ideal client? And it might be about changing how you how your business is it gets out there and what the messages are that you communicate. Yes. Shamala is another one. Yes. How can I charge more for a referral client? From a, how can you charge more from a referral client? They might expect the same price as charge the original client who gave me the referral in the first place. Aha! That's a really good question, Shamal. <laughs> I'll give you the answer. Um, it's it's pretty simple, right? You can charge more for referral-based clients based on the premise that they're not shopping around. Okay. Um, when someone is referred to you, when someone says, hey, Shamal, he's an awesome marketer. I, I, know, I know Shamal's in the marketing game. And uh, I personally recommend him. Now, one, one of the things that I've learned is that if I get a personal recommendation, price is not part of the equation, right? Because there's already a pre-sale that's occurred. Someone else has sold me as a person or my company. All I have to do is find the right fit of the product or service. Now, price is a whole nother conversation and I'd love to pick it up because I think it's actually awesome. And actually, Andrew, if you're okay with this, we might take this on to next week's agenda, which is how to set Let's do that. pricing. Let's do that. Okay. Jamal, you're going to have to wait till Absolutely. next week because we're right on 12.30 and uh, <laughs> some of us are going to eat some lunch today. But uh, I'm going to yes. take this on. I think that how to set pricing in a market where you're dealing with professional services is a really, really interesting topic. And I'd like to share some thoughts and insights on that next week. So if you're free around this same time next week, Shamal, I'd like to pick up this conversation. It gives us some time to come up with some ideas and give you some of the answers for that. Because uh, pricing is one of those very, very subjective areas that is emotionally driven. And I think that there's a lot of work we can do to set the right price for our clients. Um, Love it. Shamal, thanks so much for tuning. I really love to hear from you. So uh, thanks for commenting. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for your time today. This has been really awesome. And I, I feel like we're getting some momentum on these sessions. So next week, we're going to be talking about price. We're going to be talking about how you set price and how you get rid of price computation. And Kate Liscom, hey, how are you going? Uh, thanks for this live, very useful. Um, we'd love to keep them coming, but what we are looking for is also some sort of guidance on what you'd like to hear more about. Next week, I think price is going to be the conversation. After that, anything else that you'd like to hear about, please just... Uh, chat to us, uh, put some comments in the comments field. Uh, we'd like to keep the momentum on these and make sure that you get some great value out of these sessions. Andrew, thanks again for your time today. Guys, Absolutely. thanks very much for joining us and enjoy the rest of your day.
Thanks, David. Thanks, everyone.